Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Gargoyle Podcast, where we take movies seriously, just not ourselves. I'm Nathan, a.k.a. the Gargoyle. And I'm Eric, a.k.a. the Chimerican. And joining us once again is one of our favorite people, Graham Skipper. Say hello, Graham. Hey, guys. What's going on? Ah, you know, watching movies, doing the thing, not sleeping, all all the standard (laughs) stuff. (laughs) Yep. Not sleeping. Yeah, yeah. You were up late last night with the with the baby. I've been awake since three o'clock in the morning, and uh, yeah, that's um, like, really yeah. looking forward to this podcast to see hey. how. <laughs> hey, as I said before, you have no one to blame but yourself for this, right? That's true. I I am either going to be just like wildly incoherent or uh, irrationally angry on this episode. Oh, nice. Okay, I hope you vacillate between the two throughout. Like just <laughs> almost like you're you're a. I honestly, I'm probably just gonna fall asleep. <laughs> okay, well that I'll, I'll take over. <laughs> at that point. Yeah, I'm I'm exhausted. So speaking of vacillating between two different personalities, hey, what movie are we talking I, I, about? <laughs> <laughs> Look at that segue. It's almost like you watched the movie or something. Uh, yeah. So so tonight we're talking about Psycho Two. Which, uh, which Graham, that, that was your blind spot. Um, I mean, it's also a blind spot for us because I had never seen it before, but why was that your pick for, uh, for it being your, your blind spot movie? You know, I've heard from a number of people how much they love this movie over the years. And for whatever reason in my mind, I think the reason that I'd never watched it before is just because I had always assumed, I don't know that either it would be bad, uh, because like, I feel like psycho is such a kind of weird movie to make a sequel to, um, (laughs) And also the length of time, you know, between like original movie and sequel, I thought, oh, like this feels like it would just be a cash grab. Um, And then also I think that I had always like when I saw there were like, you know, three or four sequels to it, I went, well, I can kind of imagine what this must be. You know, Norman's up to his old tricks again, you know, and that's going to be what it is. And, you know, I got to say, I was very pleasantly surprised with how much this movie surprised me. And how much uh, I enjoyed this film. I think it's actually pretty great. Yeah, I, I felt the exact same way. Uh, I, it's I honestly didn't even. I don't even think I realized there were sequels to Psycho until maybe a few years ago. And when I heard about it, I just kind of like immediately dismissed them out of hand. Like, oh, those yeah. are probably terrible. But I had heard like ever since I started using Letterboxd and following people on there, like, and especially too because like just following a bunch of film people on Twitter, like I actually have heard quite a few people say that they think this is a pretty good movie. Um, so it's, it's something I've been kind of wanting to watch, but I also still had this lingering doubt. Like, I don't know, man, I just don't see how they could pull it off, but, uh, they kind of did. Yeah. I, uh, I actually knew like nothing about it. Um, I, I did the thing that I usually do where I was at a thrift store and I saw it and it was like a multi-pack of psycho two, three, four and Bates motel. And it was a buck. I was like, ah, what the hell? Why not? How how did they make this many sequels? They're going to be trash. Like, you know, like like you said, Graham, it's just, oh, Norman's going to be up to his old tricks again. And it's just going to be the exact same movie. But 25 years in between them, I I thought it was going to be terrible. And I did not realize until I pushed play on the DVD uh, that this was written by Tom Holland, and yeah. I was like, "Yeah, oh, th- this might actually be really good, dude." When you, when I was watching, I, like, I even like turning the movie on, I was like, uh, "I don't know how I feel about it." But then you look at the credits of the people behind this movie; it's like, "Holy crap!" Jerry Goldsmith does the score, and Dean Cundey is the DP, and Vera Miles is back, and, and I mean, like, <laughs> like oh, <what>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, uh, uh, yeah. 
yeah I, I, it's like like right from the beginning i was like okay this might might be something might, there might be something to this and and there was there was <laughs> For sure. So, so Graham, kind of tell us a little bit about what your expectations were going into this movie. Yeah, I mean, you know, my expectations, kind of like I said, were, you know, I figured that it would be, you know, for whatever reason, Norman gets out and he goes back to his motel and then, you know, people come to the motel and he kills them. You know, it's, it's sort of what I expected. You know, I, I, I had no idea that Vera Miles was going to be in it. Um, I, I, you know, certainly had had no idea, you know, what the actual plot would end up being, um, you know, but as I was watching it and as I was, uh, uh, you know, noticing like some little, I don't know, some nods to the original, like in terms of the cinematography and, and as I was noticing like little things they were doing, I started sort of reading a little bit about it and, you know, to see that the director was a student of Hitchcock, you know, and like was on Hitchcock sets and, and, you know, was wanting to make a Hitchcock film um, I, I, uh, it just all kind of, I don't know, fell into place for me. Um, um, you know, I, 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 I guess I weirdly wasn't expecting like kind of a twisty turny murder mystery. Like mm-hmm. somehow I was expecting more of a straight up slacker. Spoilers, by the way, uh, yeah. for anyone listening and this movie is oh, yeah. like 36 years old at this point. It came out in 83, didn't it? 83. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it's 36 years old, but also spoilers. So, all right, well, cool. Now we can talk about everything. And, and yeah, the, there are so many twists and turns in this movie that I feel like if you, I mean, I don't know that it would ruin it, but I, I feel like your enjoyment of this movie is greatly enhanced by really not knowing what's going on going in. So stop listening yeah, right absolutely. now. Uh, go watch it and come back. Um, yeah. Y- yeah, you know, but but I mean, I guess to give sort of the brief rundown of, of what the movie's about, you know, is that Norman does get out. He He gets out sort of on a, a little bit of a technicality or not a technicality, but like they're, they're facing budget cuts, um, in, in the, uh, you know, the, the mental health organization or whatever that he's a part of, he's been displaying, you know, great progress. Um, and so they let him out. Uh, but, but Lila Loomis, uh, who, you know, of course is the, the sister of, um, of the slain, uh, Oh God, help me with her name. Marion Crane. Marion Crane. Thank you. Um, I was just going to say the shower girl. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Very much, uh, you know, against Norman Bates getting let out of, of uh, the mental hospital, uh, but she's unsuccessful and he's just left to his own recognizance, which, you know, granted, I I laughed a little bit at that. I'm going, okay, here's a guy who like viciously murdered like seven or eight people, you know, and they're just saying, okay, well, you know, too bad. We got budget cuts. Go back to your home where you killed everybody. She has a job at a diner. So, To be fair, uh, that, here's one of the things that I actually love about that is uh, I, I feel like they handled the mental health side of it very, very appropriately. Like until it the didn't. End. Okay, look, <clears throat> I didn't say that it was perfect. Right? Yeah. No, no, like, I agree though. It, like it, it really it does. It felt genuine. It felt like yeah, this guy. I mean, he obviously had mental issues because of just his horrible upbringing, and so like. Were the murders really his fault? And I mean, like, even at the ending of Psycho, where, like, he just seemed so completely out of it, which mm, I'm going to come back to because that that's that is the only real complaint that I have. But I'll remember to come back to that in a minute. Um, but, but yeah, like he obviously wasn't all there. And so the fact that he had been in treatment for the last 20 years, he had been rehabilitated, you know, like they were treating it as 
I, I, I feel like they handled it appropriately rather than treating it like, oh, he has mental mm-hmm. issues and is therefore a killer. You know, like it, the, right. the doctor, yeah. I think, did a great job. Yeah, they do treat him with a lot of compassion. Uh, yeah. you know, even his doctor, you know, the the Robert Loggia character, you know, he's, he's <laughs> Robert Loggia. <laughs> <laughs> like, like he seems to really care about him, you know, yeah. and and uh, yeah, so I, I agree with you there. I mean, I. I I think that they they do a good job, and and they also do a good job of of making sure that that like Norman is is afraid of himself, you know, yeah. like he's constantly afraid that he's losing his grip, you know, and and his sort of slow redescent into madness over the course of the movie, um, it it all sort of tracked for me, you know, I, I think that. Perkins did a really good job of of uh, building that slowly and and of him constantly trying to sort of get in his own way. Now, the only question I had was, why don't you you know readmit yourself? Uh, which which I guess if they're having budget cuts, maybe that was impossible. Um, but but that was sort of my only moment throughout that kept taking me out of it was like, oh my god, this guy like whether or not he's really doing this stuff, he's clearly got some major issues going on. <sighs> Well, didn't he say at one point, just make sure they don't, or I, I don't want to go back to the hospital? Like, did I, th- he, I thought that he kind of addressed that through saying, like, he doesn't want to go back. something about it, but... It, but it, it was like a single line. It wasn't like a long, drawn-out plot point. Yeah. It was more yeah. of a, please don't take me back. So, but even in that, it, except for the cop at the end, uh, well, okay, no. There were a few points where I feel like there was a little too much exposition um, that probably wasn't entirely necessary, but like it, it was so weirdly spaced out because like they would give you everything that you needed to know, and then they would explain it. It's like, I, okay, cool. Thanks for confirming that for me, but <laughs> I also kind of already was getting that, yeah. and then there would be another <laughs> long drawn out spot of just like. Okay, yeah, I'm pretty sure I get what's going on. Okay, cool. Yes, thank you for literally spelling it out for me. So, like, that bugged me a little bit, um, but but not too much. Uh, but just in terms of, like, him saying, I don't want to go back, It, I don't think that they needed too, too much of explaining why he doesn't yeah, want to go mean, back in the mental institute mm-hmm. after 20 years. Yeah, I mean, I, I bought it, you know. Like, it was fine. Like, and again, it's weird. Like, this movie, I feel, rides of... of a very uh, specific line between being like, like a, a, I don't know, for lack of a better word, like a prestige picture of like, you know, sort of a classy, like murder mystery thriller. And then like a grimy slasher, mm-hmm. you know, like, like it, it really like weirdly rides that line. And, and so I feel like a lot of those elements, like why don't they put him back in the mental hospital? As soon as I would think it, I would go like, well, man, I don't care. You know, it's the yeah. same. Like, <laughs> like, why don't they nuke Crystal Lake after all these years, you know? like Because that would only make him stronger. <laughs> well, and the thing that was interesting to me about this movie, too, is like, because of those assumptions, like, there were a lot of times where it was playing on your knowledge of the first movie in some really fascinating, like, one thing that really bugged me at first about the movie is I was like, oh, it's weird that they're doing the same thing where they're trying to make you think there's another killer. Uh, that it's not Norman. I was like, because clearly it's Norman. And then throughout the movie, I'm like, holy shit, Norman might really not be the killer in this yep, movie. I did the same thing. And I like, it, so at first it was like really bugging me. And, but then I was like, oh wow, like this is a really cool direction to take this movie. I really like it. Yeah. The, See, the minute there was the scene where, where uh, Meg Tilly is, she's like upstairs, she's got her gun and she's, you know, she finds that picture frame on the wall 
and she looks through the hole, and then there's that great jump scare where, oh my know, god, yeah, somebody awesome. jumps in front of it, and and they do this amazing thing where then they immediately cut to outside in the hallway, and you see Norman just starting to run up the stairs. Mm-hmm. And that was my first moment of going, holy shit, that's not Norman. And it yeah. me the f*** out because I'm going, who's in the walls of that? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, and too, like, at first I was like, oh, like, my my biggest thing throughout the entire movie is I was like, you know what? I pray to God that it's not actually Norman and that it's not, like, trying to cheat the plot in some way and make, you th- make, make it be like, oh, but it's really just his, like, subjective perspective and that he's taken over by mother. So he thinks he's run up the stairs. And I'm so glad that they don't do that, but then they also kind of did it at the end well, of the movie, which, 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 which I, I, which I think we'll it does a good the... job of getting you there and helping you to understand why it happens the way it does at the end. But at the same time, I was like, man, I kind of wish that like, and part of it too is just Anthony Perkins is so good in this movie and he elicits so much empathy. Like yeah. at the beginning of this movie, I was like, I cannot believe that I feel so sorry for him right yeah. now. And we'll get back to the end in, yeah. in a minute because I feel like I've there's just, a lot of other stuff that's going to build to whether or not we think the end works. Yeah, I just really desperately wanted him to actually be rehabilitated. And and the one thing, too, that I like about the movie is it kind of makes you question whether or not he was or or that, like, because of the way that he was being manipulated by the Loomises, if that is what caused him to regress. Yeah. So uh, just so like so great super quick just in terms of like the technical proficiency of this film and like oh man i i I genuinely love this film i love it a lot like i i would go beyond just saying i like it love this movie with that scene with the uh um with meg tilly looking through the hole in the wall uh so i went back and like paused it and you know like did frame by frame there you see someone in the mirror before you see the eye through the hole and it is mother's outfit. Like you see mother's mm-hmm. dress. Okay. And then the eye, like it's such a thick, dark eyebrow that the only person up to that point that you had seen is, um, is Meg Tilly's character. Like the eyebrow was too thick to be, um, to be Lily. That, that was the character's Lila. name, right? Lila. Yeah. So it's like, well, wait a second. That person is obviously dressed up like mother. And that person obviously has a thick eyebrow. It hmm. It is Meg going crazy. I forget her actual name. It was Robert um, Dozier. <laughs> <laughs> I would. I would love it if he was mother. Uh, no, like so. Uh, so when both of you were like, "Oh, I I thought it was Norman," up to a point where it's like, "Wait, what if it's not?" For me, I kind of thought that it wasn't norman relatively early mm-hmm. um and i was both right and wrong so like in that scene i thought wait a second is she projecting her craziness like That's- is is she basically is she norman mm-hmm. uh and i think they did a really good job of having lila's character um be so controlling and so just uh, obsessive about getting Norman back in the mental institution mm-hmm. that she was effectively kind of being worse than Norma Bates. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like, I still, since I just finished the movie right before we started recording, I'm still trying to process how I feel about that. Like where they're taking this classic character from this, from this classic film and like making her the villain. And I, I think that's a cool idea, but I still like, 
I don't know. It's been. A, I haven't. I didn't rewatch Psycho beforehand. And I was like, it's kind of a weird way to go with that character. And you could say it's because of like the trauma that she suffered in in the original Psycho. And yeah, I wouldn't say that she was the villain. I would say that she was obsessed. Which you know, splitting hairs, but. I think that she was so, again, just traumatized mm-hmm. by going through what she went through with having her sister murdered that for her, Norman could never be innocent. Yeah. And so, like, I I really love what they're doing with that in terms of the conversation that you can have about can someone ever truly be rehabilitated? Mm-hmm. And, like, if you know that they're not, because by the end he wasn't but was he not rehabilitated because of who he was or because of what he had just gone through like which is better is it better to be preventative and get him back in the mental institution or to like let him be to his own devices and potentially be worse Mm -hmm. well it feels like the message that they're trying to say a little bit is that you know even if his illness like is never totally cured with enough like nurturing it 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 could you know stay subsided for the rest of his life yeah. Seems like when he, you know, when he goes back, like he has those little moments of like touching the key for room number one or not wanting yeah. to a knife, you know, those sorts of things. And it's totally possible that over time, had he just been left to his own devices, that he would have, you know, still started receiving phone calls from mother. Like it's yeah. totally possible. But I feel like I feel like, you know, what what Lila Loomis is doing you know, is is that her whole thing is, well, it's a means to an end. You know, there's no way he's ever going to be well. He's always going to be a danger. And no matter what I have to do to get him back in, I'll do that. You know, even so far as as I think she would have been willing to kill people to put him back in, because that is, you know, such as the power of, like, hatred and revenge. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, but I, I, I think that, uh, I think it's just interesting to kind of wonder, like, like uh, how how far does the rehabilitation for Norman go, and does mm-hmm. it even really matter? You know, like if he's if he's you know let out and he acknowledges that he's sick, you know, and he's working on that stuff, and clearly his doctor is like keeping tabs on him and looking after him. Like like would he have been okay? And unfortunately, because of what Loomis does, like we'll never know. It's so and ironic in such a great way. Like, uh, yeah, that's that's one of the things. So again, I I love this movie. Um, and after I get through this, uh, I, I want um, both of y'all's take on whether or not you think that they could have gone a different direction. Like, can you see any other way that they could have gone with the story? But before that, one of the things that bugs me a little bit is the very ending of the original Psycho. Where, um, you know, he Norman's having that internal monologue and it's mother and she's like, we won't even hurt a fly. See, we'll show them like the way that it ends is kind of like a I'm always going to be in control of you. And so like we'll fool them no matter Mm -hmm. how long it takes. So like once he was let out. It, it bugged me a little bit because I was like, well, um, I don't know if I'd want him rehabilitated like I, i'm glad that he was just in terms of actually relating to him as a character and uh and and caring about him throughout the course of the movie but it felt a little not quite betraying of the ending of the first one but it just felt a little off somehow and and so uh graham to your point of you know would he ever have just started going back and uh, hearing mother's voice anyways like do you think that she was still in control with the, like, not reaching for the knife? Was he rehabilitated? Or was that, 
mother just like controlling him to where he uh, he didn't instantly engage in it to the point where people were lulled back into a false sense of security. Uh, I don't think I agree with that. I think that it's I think that's adding like a whole but I mean, it's an interesting theory, but I think that's adding like a whole bunch of layers to it that are. Well, that's necessary. that's what I do. <laughs> uh, you, you've I, talked to me before. You know this. I think that I, I, I yeah, I mean, I think that the you know, the whole thing about the end of the first movie is is, you know, that that not so much we're going to, you know, lie in wait and try to trick them, at least in my opinion. I think that it's more about, you know, him trying to rationalize what he's done because he rationalizes everything that mother's done. You know, right. he mm-hmm. blocks what, you know, the abuse that he took that caused him to kill her in the first place. Um, you know, and so it's just all part of his delusion. And I think that the fact that it feels weird when he gets out, you know, is is by design. I mean, if they had let him out and he was like a twitchy madman, you know, like there's not much room for the movie to go. But I think if he gets let out and we're all going, oh, is he or is he not rehabilitated? Well, then there's the question that drives all the action. Yeah. Um, you know, and then stuff like with the with, you know, him struggling with the knife and things like that. I mean, I'm not sure how. You know, it. I, I think most of the time the simplest answer is the correct one, and so I think that rather than it being, you know, that I think it's way more likely that the direction was, yeah, Norman, you're fighting with your impulses to stab people. You know, when you see this knife, that's why you're worried about it, but you want to be a normal person, and so you're going to do your best. Uh, versus some, you know, combination of, well, really, you know, mother's inside your head telling you to, you know to do this thing so that you can trick these people into thinking this thing. I just think it's like, it doesn't, that doesn't resonate with me. If that had been, I I agree. Like if that had been the direction, I think that it would have sucked. Like if they were trying to go about that, I think that it would have felt too hokey. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, the way that I work of just like, (laughs) here's a very simple concept. He's fighting with his internal demons. (laughs) Yeah. But is that internal demon really just still his mother? Is she still there? Yeah. And I just love, I just love the, both the simplicity of that conflict and kind of the complexity of the rest of the, because there's so many layers of conflict in this film that are really brilliant. Like you've got Norman fighting his impulses and trying to fight back, you know, the, fight back mother i guess in a way but then you also have like the conflict well i think my favorite thing about the movie is the fact that um lila and mary are really torn about how to treat norman like you get kind of the two approaches it's like well we really just need to like totally take him out of society and just isolate him but then you've got mary who's like no like he's actually trying his best and we need to support him in that and we need to like even if it even if that means lying to the police and giving him an alibi like we need to keep him away from from any kind of situation where he feels like he's not in control. Yeah. And I think that's really, like, it's so compelling to me that that... It, it's weird, too. Like, at first, like... The other thing is the way that this movie is so subversive, where at first I'm like, why why would this woman stay with him? And then it's slowly revealed that, oh, she's actually Lila's daughter, so that makes sense why she would stay with him. Yeah. And... uh I don't know. There are so many things about the movie where at first I was like, I don't, I just don't get it. Like, I don't see why this make like there are people are making dumb decisions. It's typical, like bad slasher stuff, but then it totally turns it on its head and it's like, Oh, this is really kind of brilliant. The way that this has been laid out. I a hundred percent agree. I, I felt like multiple times throughout this movie, I thought that I knew what was happening and I thought that it was just up to it being a typical slasher movie. Like I totally thought the same thing about Mary. I'm going, why is she staying with him? Clearly, it's just because it's a plot point, you know, mm-hmm. 
that's the only reason anybody would stay with that guy. Uh, you know, and, and, and then of course, like all the twists and turns get unveiled and, and it starts to totally make sense. You know, even like with her, with that whole, there's like the scene where she goes to sleep in the, you know, in, in the bedroom with him and he's got mm-hmm. the knife and, and she seems so calm and so chill with everything. And, and it, when it was happening, I was going, this is so stupid. Like, why? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my God. Like of all the beds to just go to sleep in, like, come on, <laughs> you know, but, but then as it gets revealed later that she really feels totally in control of the situation, you know, that she knows the deal with mother. I mean, granted, I think it also takes a lot of moxie to, to, to feel that confident in your own abilities that, you know, manipulation that, mm-hmm. that this crazy man, you know, you feel like this crazy man isn't going to stab you in your sleep. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like their entire plan was to make him crazy. <laughs> well, that's the and only, she felt secure <laughs> around someone that she was actively trying to, make, to drive yeah. crazy. The only so stretch, uh, the only stretch I think the movie makes is I find it kind of hard to believe that Lila would allow her daughter to stay in there with Norman. Yeah. I, yeah, it, I, that's the I, only thing I, that bugs was, me a bit. Yeah, I mean, Lila's clearly gone over the deep end, though. Like, I, I sort of buy this. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, sure, Mary, go on in. You're on the front lines. But it also yeah, I, is implied I, that Lila is like, I, 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 I still don't. And this is the other thing I haven't quite like sorted out in my brain is, was it Lila who was in the house with them or was it other mother? It was real mother. R- Emma? Yeah. Was her name? I don't know. I th- I guess I'm assuming like she's the one, and I mean again, we're I want to just see, clarify spoilers. This is spoilers, I, but I, the per- see here here was my question was I was wondering if it was a combination of the two of them, right? And yeah, where once we get to discussing the ending, I think that this plays into it because I'm not sure the ending totally works, but. <laughs> But, I um, yeah like I have issues with the ending but also accept I'm, it you know I'm not sure it totally works but it also it's like you kind of need a third you need a third party in there that is also killing these other people because otherwise you it would have to be Norman who's doing it and so like I I get why they went that direction but it still doesn't totally I think it for me. works it just isn't the right choice and it also like it it there's something weird to me that there's something that bugs me a little bit about the fact that they're trying to establish a history of mental illness. I mean, I guess that that's fine, but it's like, Oh, we're now we're explaining. (laughs) They didn't handle it perfectly throughout the entire movie. I I think the problem is just that they tack it on at the end. If if it had been more, if there was a way that it could have been woven throughout the story a little bit better then maybe that would have been fine. But I I don't know. I'm not, again, I think they did a pretty fantastic job with what, what they did, but it does kind of come out of left field for me. It's it's interesting that they, you know, because I, I, you know, you were talking about, oh, you know, if they hadn't had the other mother sort of surprise at the end that that it would have meant that Norman really did do that killing and then he's a bad guy. And so it's sort of interesting to me that it seems like the script is doing a lot of work to make Norman, you know, not a killer, you know, yeah. and, and, mm-hmm. and which is, I think, admirable and interesting. But like when I was watching it, right. And they reveal Lila Loomis's body down there in all the coal. Good. Mind, I was going, well, yeah, f- that bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, man, she deserves this. And God, if, her, her death you know, scene is incredible. To just have to say that really quick. The the what? Her, her death scene. Oh yeah, so good. 
but it's like it's like to to for me i was like that sort of absolves norman in my mind you know mm-hmm. like if you were the one to actually do that you know of of whatever you know but then i i feel like adding the other mother even though he kills her at the end he's still you know he's still a good guy when that happens you know, and, I, and it's like more and it's, you know, in, in self-defense, essentially how Mary dies, you know, he's even though he's sort of menacing her, mm-hmm. it, it's it's all it's it, it's weird. I feel like the last like 10 minutes, they they stack so many sort of twists and turns one on top of the other that I feel like it loses a little bit of the of the sort of class that the rest of the movie had. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go back and rewatch it because what was the real mother's name? Emma was was that Emma right? Emma Spool. Yeah. Okay. Um, like Which, I I need to rewatch it to see if she is in more of the movie because like if she is like in the background she's in the and diner. Through, well, if she's right. in the background and throughout the movie gradually getting closer and closer and closer, like if it is super subtle, then then I'm more okay with it. Like I feel like the ending works. I just don't like it in, in the sense that. Um, I don't think that Norman was innocent by the end. I think that there is a certain point where he had turned again, you know, like Mm -hmm. where he had gone back to being crazy Norman Bates and he was already at the point where he was going to kill. Like he had, he had become a killer again. He just hadn't yet done the action. Yeah. And, and I think that there was that switch in his brain. And so by the end, I don't think that he was like doing any sort of self-defense against Emma. I think that it was just a mother was telling him, kill her. Like you, you even see that little smirk that he has uh, when she's starting to drink. Oh, that's that's what it was. Like when she says, you're the only person that I have left. And like there's a little smirk of just, mm, yep. Wait, so you're, Not saying, for long. You, so you're saying that you feel that mother was telling Norman to kill Emma? I I think that by that point in the movie he had turned. Like I don't think that there was any conflict left in him. I think that his um his reverting back to his old ways happened before that final I think it happened scene. in the climax of the movie where he was on the phone and he's like, "Oh, killer, you want me to kill her?" and then like he I, starts to go he was he's going to no, kill. I agree. I think I think, Mary, I think but, my no, I agree with you there. I think that um my question more stems from he knows at this point that Emma is his real mother, the other mother he's been talking about. So I don't feel like him killing her was because yet another mother was telling him to. I feel like mm-hmm. he was killing his real mother because that's what Norman does. He kills his mother and then keeps her body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah, like, I, I don't necessarily... Yes, he, I he think saw it as an him, opportunity to have mother with him forever. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He wasn't doing it in any sort of like, oh, well, I have to stop her, or if I don't do this, she's going to end up killing me. Like, I really think that it was just a, now I'm going to have you back forever like, Yay. again. Yeah. Um, which is why when she said, "You're the only person that I have left in this world," where he had that little smile, is like I think that there was some happiness that he had of knowing that he was about to have his mother back. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. In a very yeah. disturbed way. Yeah, I don't I I don't love the uh, the history of mental illness in terms of like, oh, all of them are crazy. Um because they handled it so well in the beginning and and then not so well by the end. Um and also like 
like why was she killing everyone i i i i buy the i was too young to take care of you mm-hmm. and and that's fine i didn't hate it but it's like i it's it's one of those things where it's just it's a little bit too far-fetched for me and i yeah. kind of have a bias against like oh it's your long lost so and so whatever like i just watched scream 3 for the first time not too long ago and they do something kind of similar in that movie at the end and i'm just like ah this is so stupid so part of it might just be my proximity to watching that movie yeah um I, I don't know. It, it's it strains credibility for me a little bit, and it's kind of it's just kind of a weird way to get another person in there to be the actual murderer. And I, I don't know. It's it's it, it works. It's functional, but it, because I think part of it too is just how well they layer in like the the conflicts throughout the rest of the film and like how well fleshed out the rest of these characters are it's like oh here's this other character who also we're just going to kind of like perfunctorily establish that they also had the same issues that norman had and i it, it just it just doesn't yeah, like it, it doesn't make any gel. sense why she would have killed the kids in the basement like it, it makes sense why she would have killed the hotel manager i get it it yeah, he makes was threatening. sense yeah it makes sense why she killed um Lila? Lila. Yeah. No sleep. Yeah, I, <laughs> it, makes, it makes sense why she kills her. I feel like it kind of falls prey to like wild things syndrome, you know, where like, yeah. <laughs> like wild things has like eight million <laughs> twists at the end of that movie. And, and yeah. it kind of becomes the fun of the movie is that they, there are all these stupid twists, you know, but, but, uh, and so I sort of wonder if like they were trying to play into a little bit, oh, it's fun to have twists, you know, mm. and so we're just going to really lean into it. But I feel like this movie would have been made so much stronger had there never been the other mother, the the whatever her name, the Emma character that that had at the end had the cops not rushed in, but had, you know, uh, Norman been facing Mary dressed up as his mother and he makes the decision. I'm never going to you know let you hurt me again, mother. And he kills her. And mm. and he's exonerated just like he is. And at the end, it's somehow it's Mary's body that he keeps. And that's yeah, he could have ex- exhumed her or something. Which, that, which, by the way, that would have worked better. That just that just reminded me. How, what? This is just a weird quibble I have with the movie. They totally they exhume his 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 fake mother's body at one point to prove to him that she's dead. And I'm like, would would they really do that? Like, does a psychiatrist really have that much power to get people yeah. to exhume a corpse <laughs> no. to prove yeah, that I she's dead? That's so no. weird. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, so again, love this movie. At this point, it's more of just like, here's another little thing that's kind of stupid. Famed Hollywood director that has made many movies that I love. Or Hollywood writer, actually. I don't who's Tom the Holland. director. The yes, director is Richard Franklin. What has he done? He's done like um, I don't think I've seen any of his other movies. He's done like Road Games and Cloak and Dagger and uh Okay, I've not seen those things. Yes, my comment was more towards Tom Holland. Love Tom Holland stuff. Okay. Here's here's one of the things that bugged me. Like to the point where it almost took me out of it. Um, they they have a giant furnace in the bottom of their house. Why would you toss bodies in a swamp when you can just burn them? Gotta smell yeah. bad, right? Yeah. Sure, but they also like they take great lengths to mention several times how far away they are from literally everything else. I mean, I think that may, it's like a bog too, and isn't is I'm assuming that's supposed to be the same bog where he put 
Marion's yeah, body from the but first again, movie. why would you drag that stuff all the way out there? Like the car, because sure. you, you're getting it away from. But you don't want to stink up your house. And that too, yeah, man, you got to live there. <laughs> I'm, although to be fair, he does also keep his mother's corpse in the, <laughs> in the house. It's a fair point. It's a fair point. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's just gonna smell like bacon. Would it have you? Yes. Is that what is that what burned human smells like? I, do you know this from experience? Not from experience, but I do have a theory. Uh, in part because <laughs> cannibals refer to humans as long pig, uh, and because you know, like MythBusters keeps using pigs as human analogs because of how similar the uh, like muscle structure is. I, I I think that people probably taste like pig. I I don't know. I mean, I probably wouldn't smell bad to cook a human, but I don't. I, I think it would smell like bacon. It might. It would smell delicious. <laughs> probably would. I mean, it, I mean, honestly, we are we are meat, so it probably would smell pretty good. All right, Green, where's, where's I love that. that this is, I love that this is where we've uh, <laughs> the direction we've taken I, this. I want you to make a short called Long Pig. Do it. Why don't you make that short, Nathan? I'm bad at things. I love that you like you come up with ideas, and like every time we have a guest on the podcast, you're like, "Hey, you should make this you movie." That's that an- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but one of these days they actually are, and then I'll have like a ton of EP <clears throat> credits or like zero, so you can you can do none of the work and get the credit for it, right? That's kind of my that's kind of my philosophy on this podcast, though. To be fair, as the co-host, I do none of the work, and I just get to like you know ride on your coattails of whatever success whatever however modest it may be very short coattails (laughs) anywho um Uh, so yes it it bugged me that they had a furnace big enough to fit a body in uh and and like especially with uh with lila you know like why bury her underneath the coal rather than just going ahead and throwing her into the furnace well it's kind of i mean it's i know part of it but still well part of it too is just that it's a there's a very short amount of time between when that murder happens and when people are showing up at the house. They, First of all, they had time to put well, all that stuff on her, the other, her under the furnace. True. But the other, th- well, okay. I see what you're saying there, but the yeah. other thing too, that's inter- that I really like about this movie is uh, like in horror movies, a lot of times you're constantly questioning why the police doesn't show up more often in this movie. The police are constantly showing up at Norman's house. I think that's yeah. a pretty cool way to, to throw some additional conflict in there and almost the to the point of bit. like, why are they showing up? Well, I mean, well, it seems part like of it is checking up on him because there's yeah, weird shit yeah. happening and he's a serial killer that's just been released from the mental hospital. Yeah, well, I, I think that's there's it. also that. I don't know. I, I, I love like I think it's actually I, I think you made a good point, Graham, where it's like it, it does a great job of kind of riding the line between being like a pretty legitimate kind of uh, psychological drama and a, a good like B grade slasher film, which which honestly is kind of how the original Psycho is, too. Um, yeah, and, and, and it was intended to be too. You know, it was intended to be like sort of a, a grindhousey kind of thing that Hitchcock mm-hmm. was making. You know, and, and it's interesting that I think Hitchcock just made it so well that now it's looked at as this prestige picture. You know, when when he was always intending it to be as uh, you know as as something that's, for lack of a better word, you know, kind of trashy and and mm-hmm. dirty. You know, yeah, he just wanted to shock and thrill people. I mean, yeah. that's really what it was, and it's and it's one of those things too. It's hard to. Because we're looking at it in retrospect. I mean, at the time, the movie was pretty controversial and, and not really well-liked amongst... Well, although, I mean, I guess it was nominated for a bunch of Oscars. But at the same time, it was kind of polarizing, I guess. Yeah. Thinking thinking back <laughs> to the very beginning of the film, where they started with the shower scene. First off, you know, it's just an iconic scene. 
It's do you, I, do you think that that was like just some very 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 blatant foreshadowing of just like oh hey yeah it's gonna be the people directly related to her because like th- th- why do they need to show that shower scene at the very beginning? Well, I really yeah, liked it. Oh, I go ahead. No no no, it that. works. I just I wonder like what their intention was. Like was it more than just very heavy-handed foreshadowing that you don't realize until the end like oh right yeah now that makes sense well i have thoughts about that i think that one i think it is that i think that it's it's them saying here's the catalyst for what you're about to see you know and you realize that later but two the thing we have to remember is that in 1983 like people didn't constantly have access to see psycho Mm -hmm. you know it's possible people hadn't seen psycho since it came out 22 years before You know, like people, you know, I'm sure they did like rep screenings of it, you know, periodically. But this wasn't a movie where people had analyzed every moment of footage and people had had, you know, you know, seen it a million times. So I think that when they did that, it made sense to me because I'm going, well, you're making a sequel to a movie that came out 22 years ago. You know, you're you're trying to sort of remind people. I mean, people remember the shower scene. Sure. But like. You're trying to remind people what this thing is that they're supposed to, like, I don't know, mentally have just walked out of and then walked into your movie. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that it didn't bug me. It's the same. Oh, no, it didn't bug like, me at all. I, I enjoyed it. Big recap, you know? Like, yeah, I like that they did that instead of doing like a Friday the 13th style recap of, <laughs> of what of what had happened before. Like, that's all you need to know. Like, this is the, like that is it's obviously the most iconic scene from the film. But like everything you need to know from the first film is encapsulated in that moment. And it's such I mean, it's just it's such a brilliant scene. Like even watching it, I wrote a note down like, oh, yeah, that that shower scene still like packs a punch and it also too, it gives you a good visual reference because they kind of uh, they mimic the scene later on when. Uh, Mary's taking a shower at one point like they do the same exact cuts and shots in that scene again to like play on your expectations of what's going to happen and it's I think it's a perfect visual like you kind of need that visual reference to be reminded of what they're doing again I had no problems with it and I love to just the other thing that that I like about it is whenever they have the the scene where they killed the kid in the basement the the editing between the stabs and like the jars and stuff falling down is very like similar to the, the way it's that that shower scene is edited too. And it, it was just nice to have that visual reference at the beginning of the film. Yeah. The, the overall style. I love the fact that it, it felt like it was a proper sequel to a Hitchcock film without trying to be the Hitchcock film. Mm. Like I, I love the fact that they weren't trying too hard to just replicate it. But still uh, enough similarities and enough references, it's, you know, like the uh, the vertigo effect, the zoom in pan out thing. Yeah, they, they, so. they imitate Hitch's style in a lot of cool ways. Like, I think my favorite shot of the movie, and I feel like I'll never forget this. Like, there's the scene where he's locked in the attic and the camera, like, comes out of the window and it kind of just, like slowly goes over the edge of the the roof and you see the the kids going into the basement like that is a brilliant transition shot and it just feels like something that hitchcock would do um in one of his films to me yeah i love the visuals of it it's 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 a really great movie like I, i kept going back and forth between uh and we've already kind of said this but feeling like i was watching an 80s slasher and like a 60s mystery but not in a jarring way mm-hmm. like there were sometimes <clears throat> i i don't know it it just felt like a very uh a 
appropriate mixture of this is the kind of horror movie that your parents grew up on, and mm. so we're going to give them the sensibilities, and also we're going to have someone stab through the uh, through their mouth, <laughs> very graphically. God, it's so great! the The kills in this movie are really amazing. I love every single mm. one of them. Like, Thank you. they're so like the one with with Robert Loggia getting stabbed and then falling and having the knife be like pushed even further when he hits the banister. <laughs> it's so cool. Like it's, and it's done really well. Like the way it's just edited is, is pretty great. And, well, uh, and that's also, you know, uh, sort of not mimicking, but, uh, book ending, maybe the, uh, the stair kill from the first one. Yeah. So like, yeah, there, there's is, a is, lot yeah. of similarities without feeling like a remake. Like a retread. Yeah. <laughs> like a shot for shot remake. Yeah. Which would be a bad idea. <laughs> I kept thinking I kept thinking about the Gus Van Sant. Yeah, that's a terrible idea. Nobody should ever do a shot for shot remake of, no, why would of you Psycho. Do that? <clears throat> um, it's almost as bad as a shot for shot remake of The Shining. <laughs> why, people? The uh it, it kept making me think of the uh the Gus Van Sant remake, which is you know what's kind of interesting is I actually saw the Gus Van Sant film before I saw the original. Oh wow. Really? And even yeah, and even watching the Gus Van Sant movie, it's like this is terrible. Like I didn't I I didn't have the original to kind of think back on. But even watching the the remake, I was like, this isn't very good at all. Like I didn't like it in, in any way. And then rewatching the original one, even though it's the same movie, it's still like, oh you can just like you can just see the brilliance in it. And yeah. Yeah, I think that's a it's one of those movies where I actually think the remake has merit just in terms of like showing that cinema is this is a very it, it's alchemy in a way like it's like you can do the exact same thing and it ju- and it still just completely falls apart. Like there's just something. Well, I th- I feel like I because I've not seen the remake, but I feel like so much of it is just the portrayal from Anthony Perkins. Like he does such an amazing job of being so sympathetic. Like no matter how many times I've seen psycho, whenever I rewatch it and I know, yeah, he's a crazy person and he's going to kill them. Like I always feel so sympathetic for him, even right up to the end, even the scene, um, which I also love the fact that they mirror the scene, uh, at the end in the police station with him just sitting out there. Yeah. But like even up to that point in in the original film, I always feel so bad for him, and so much of that I feel like is just his portrayal. And he's because he's not just a sympathetic character; mm-hmm. he's also a very sinister character. And I feel like that's part of uh, why this uh, the sequel works so well. It really plays up that sympathy. It really plays up that uh, caring about him. And the sinister, like I didn't feel as much of the sinister, but I felt like the uh, like those demons kept trying to to come back up, and and again, like that's just where so much of this drama took place. Like I was even thinking about that towards the end of the movie. I forget exactly what scene it was. <clears throat> Excuse me, but I was thinking about how much of this movie took place inside of the house, mm-hmm. and I was like. Oh, holy crap. The vast majority of this movie takes place in a single location, but it doesn't feel like it. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. until towards the end of the movie that I actually realized how much of the movie had, had taken place in that single location. And and I feel like that's just a real testament to the quality of the movie that you don't feel stuck. You don't feel like you're just also retreading just the same place. such a great set. Like it's so, so that, that house is just so cinematic. Yeah. It's a great house. I love that I never you know, to go to the house. I just got to chime in and say that I loved the couple moments where 
you know, it was super stormy outside and they clearly, I mean, I don't know how they achieved this, you know, with some kind of, uh, you know, matte painting or whatever, mm-hmm. but that they made it feel, you know, they, it was almost black and white, you know? Yeah. It yeah. Almost like an old universal horror movie. Uh, mm-hmm. they treated him almost like, like a, you know, like one of the classic monsters, you know, walking out of the house and especially that final, you know, that, that final moment of him standing in front of him. Uh, it's just, it's so good and it's so beautiful and it, mm-hmm. it, you know, establishes him as a, as a true monster, uh, which I'm curious to see what the later sequels do with him, you know, because I feel like the, what this one did is it made you wonder, is he a monster? Is he a monster? And then by the end you're like, okay, yeah, he's a monster, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I think that what they do with that is so beautiful and how they use the iconography of the house and, and have how they, they make that as much a character in this movie as, as anybody else, I think is really, yeah. really nice. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely want to see the, yeah. uh, the next couple of sequels in part because Anthony Perkins directs the third one. Yeah. So really interested to see what he does with his own. Well, character. And I have it, I have it on good authority. So, you know, uh, you guys know Rob Galuzzo from Shockwave's podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, you know, made a psycho documentary uh, about the whole psycho series. And he was telling me that I guess the third one, uh, Norma or uh, Anthony Perkins specifically directed it, uh, based on his favorite film at the time, which was blood simple. Oh, Oh, wow. Cool. Interesting. So, See, yeah. I was, I was, I feel in the same way about three as I did with two where I'm like, I just don't like, I love where this ends. I just don't know if I want to know what else happens, but, um, hmm. yeah, apparently things an homage to blood simple. So that sure seems interesting Very to me. Oh, blood simple. So great. Yeah. I, I love how, I, so up until I saw the sequel, you know, like I, Again, I never wanted to see them. I picked them up just because they existed. Um, because Psycho to me is so perfect. Like, how could you how could you make a sequel to that? But having watched Psycho 2, it's like, you know what? Each of these movies, amazing. And they stand on their own. But they also play so well together that now, like, I'm super interested to see where do they go with it in terms mm-hmm. of is the third one and ultimately the fourth one like do they stand on their own or is it one of those like you have to have seen the first ones to appreciate the the next one like you know is it only going to be a oh we're going to go bigger and badder or is it going to be here is an internal trauma or not trauma but uh an, an, an internal struggle and a drama within this film or or not so yeah i, I can't wait to watch the next one yeah, you should also watch Bates Motel, the, the TV series I did a few years ago. It's that actually great. pretty good. It's really like it was one of those things where I was I think I watched the first season in like a day because I was like, wow, this is shockingly good. Uh, kind of like with this movie, too. Does the end of Psycho 2 change how you watch Bates Motel, though, in no, terms Bates, of now knowing about the mother? No, Bates Motel is is really its own thing. It's like they they kind of like tried to say that it's a prequel but it's really not it's it's really more of like a reboot or a, sort of um so i don't think so it, it definitely anyway. doesn't well i guess it could theoretically fit with this mm. because because i mean norma is acting like his mother yeah i don't know i, I mean maybe he, I, I haven't i didn't actually i haven't seen he, the last two seasons of Bates Motel I think I think that's I haven't finished the series so I don't know he killed her when he was 11 right 
Is that that's what they said? Or twelve, I think, is what they. Or he poisoned her when he was twelve. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's. Man, the, by the way, fun fact: the little scene where they show young Norman Bates in the, the like doorknob or whatever is uh, Oz Perkins. Oh it's really? Cool. Yeah, he Oz Perkins oh, plays the cool. the young version of Norman. I'm trying to remember that scene. It's when he first gets into the house, or it's like, is it in the doorknob or just like in the door itself? It's like he's seeing a reflection of himself. The doorknob. It's like right when he first walks into the into the house, and he, or when he first walks up to the house. Yeah, or he. It's either it's either in the doorknob of the house or of the uh, of mother's room. I think. I think it's mother's room. Uh, I think it was mother's room. Yeah, but it shows a little. Like it's it's very. He's very translucent looking. I guess, but it's obviously like a an overlay of some sort. But I, I'll have to rewatch that yeah, scene because, like, it. I I remember vaguely ish that, but like trying to picture it right now, nope, nothing. The Blank. the other thing I want to say about sequels is that uh, <laughs> there's actually another <clears throat> version, another Psycho two that Robert Block wrote a sequel to, like a novel um, that was I think it was published a year prior to this movie, but it has a totally different uh, storyline where Norman escapes from the mental institution and goes to Hollywood to stop a movie version of of oh, his so life he being wrote made. Scream 3. Yeah, or Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back too. It's kind of kind of does the same <laughs> plot line. So I just I really want to read that novel now to see what what actually happened because it's kind of like a, a apparently it's a, a satire of like Hollywood slashers uh in the 80s. Yeah, late, late uh, 70s early 80s. Apparently that's why the studio uh, decided to write a whole new story was cuz they Yeah. See that you know sequel book and went oh well we can't possibly make this <laughs> <laughs> he's making fun of us why would we do that why would <laughs> so yeah it's very interesting hmm. i'll have to pick that up at some point also it's weird to me that we've mentioned scream 3 multiple times in this episode you've just watched it i know it's, it's, <laughs> i was really it, it scream 3 did a great did the opposite of what this movie does where like for the first hour of it i was like okay this isn't as bad as i expected it to be and then the last hour i was like this movie. <laughs> scream 3 is not the worst scream movie though yes it is no it's Don't, not Nathan, yeah, it is. we're no, not, not and we're not getting into this no, now no it's What's, not oh, come on what's the worst one okay so i've not seen scream 4 so i'm scream only... 4 is really i actually really <laughs> like scream 4 <laughs> look we're doing a series on horror movie blind spots so scream 4 is still a blind spot okay. So just based off of the first three. So you think two is the worst? I think two is the worst by far. <sighs> my 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 screaming at you just then caused me <laughs> to jump out of the bed and run. <laughs> my dog is a, it's like what's wrong? What's wrong, Graham? Is a huge scream two fan, by the way. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> Scream, I, I need to rewatch Scream 2. It's one that I remember, like, I've seen the first one dozens of times. I l- absolutely love the first movie. The second movie, I was kind of like, I was like, okay, it's fine. And then uh, I need to rewatch it again. So and the third one, I'm I'm kind of yeah. mad at right now. I've, good. I've binged the, the trilogy a couple of times, like just back to back. Or, you know, like watching them days in succession. <clears throat> the first one has a lot of technical proficiency. The third one is a lot of fun. The second one exists. Man, you you and your hot takes this this series, Nathan. What? No, 
for me the second one most did, of them all of your hot takes involve Wes Craven movies by the way I just I just have to point out yep. uh, interesting interesting <laughs> <laughs> no some of them no my all the ones we on talked about lately at least. aren't that hot they're mostly just Jason X is not a bad movie. Well, they're not Billy Ray Bruton hot takes. Not Uh, Billy Ray Bruton. You know what? Billy Ray (laughs) Bruton was literally just texting me. I think right now he just got called out on your podcast. Oh, nice, nice. Maybe we can get him to listen. Oh, my God. Damn. I'm still still real. I will never get over over that. Here's the thing about Scream. Um, For me, Scream 2, it doesn't break as much ground as Scream 1 it retreads a lot of that same ground. So it doesn't have that same, just like, oh, yeah, I see what they're doing. Yeah, man, that, ooh, kind of parodying horror movies while also being a serious horror movie, while also parodying itself. Like, it, it doesn't do that. Cause it's like, yeah, I just saw this. I literally just saw this. Scream 3 is, it's fun. It's not as good, but it's it's a lot of fun. Man. Just like here, we're going to take this concept of a horror, of someone watching too many horror movies uh, impacting what they do and go just kind of off the deep end with it and have them make a movie of the events that happen in the movie, which is parroting a movie and then have the killer do the things from the script about the movie, about... And like, that's what I now it's so dumb. I like I love it. I like the idea of it, but now that I've seen the movie, I hate it. Like it's, I just I think it's done in such a shallow way. Like it, well, it takes it's fun. It takes like the what what Kevin Williamson did so brilliantly in the first movie, and just like says, oh okay, let's just do it. Like let's just straight up put it in Hollywood, and like it's just so doofy. And but it's it is so <sighs> on the nose. It's too yeah. It's so on the nose that you don't have to think about it. You can just kind of have fun with it. No. So sorry, but anyway, <laughs> one is good. Three is fun. Two to me is not as good as one, and it's not as fun as three. We're gonna have to do a whole series on this. So are you gonna do a, one is not as fun as three? I as f- uh, one is a better movie. One is so much more fun too. Three just gets on my like by the end of it, I was just so frustrated with it. The I couldn't even. The only fun thing about about three, I think, is that scene where he throws the knife at uh, David Arquette and it hits him with the blunt end. I was like, oh, that's oh, and and the Jay and Silent Bob cameo. <laughs> three three is fun, like a dad joke or a pun. It's not that it is a better quality of enjoyment. It's just like, oh, <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. I see what they're doing there. Like, <laughs> because it's impossible. Because it's beating you over the fucking head with what it's doing. <laughs> it's, it bludgeons you with it. Um. By by, by the way, uh, uh, Billy, Billy Ray says, "Tell them I officially challenge them. Sight, sound, unseen." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what he's challenging you to, but my guy's going to challenge you. If he's challenging if, me to a draft, I am uh, I'm if, definitely on board. If he's challenging, challenging us to hot takes, I've got a lot of the hot takes that Eric absolutely hates. That is just like, come on, dude, you can't argue with you, me. They are my are, opinions about a you thing. You are definitely the Billy Ray wild card of this, uh, <laughs> oh of this podcast. It's so good. It's so good. I will say, though, tell, as, as much tell, as, as wild as his, his takes oh, are, it, it, I love... Ray, Billy Ray says, I dated a guy for eight years who lived in Knoxville. This is... The- Oh, nice. <laughs> tell tell Billy that uh, I want us to do a mashup episode and call it Hot Takes, where we're just going to argue back and forth about things. Great. That Hot would be take fun. matchup episode. <laughs> 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 Not joking either. 
Oh my god. Well, I'm glad that I could be a conduit for this. <laughs> this is great. That was very he literally was texting me because I, I co-hosted the uh or guest commissioned the 90s action draft on screen drafts. I still haven't listened to that yet. I can't wait to hear it. And and Billy Ray is always has a lot of opinions, and so he was texting me. Uh, uh, and I, I was I was trying to ignore them. My my phone. <laughs> we were talking, uh, but then he got name called. I had to uh, had to bring him into the fold. Man, I love that. I'm, I'm I'm so obsessed with screen drafts right now. I've been listening to it all the time while I'm at work, and so this is kind of this is a little surreal to like sort of be connected to Billy Ray at this point. It's it's such a fun uh, sort of concept. I think it's just so I love it. Kind of pure. I will say I, I can't reveal what it is, but I am appearing with Elric on a horror related uh, draft at the end of this month. Oh, Ooh. sweet! I was hoping that they would be doing some good good horror stuff toward the end of the month. Yeah. So that's that's awesome. Happy to hear that. Um, yeah, yeah. So, well, well, so I'm, Psycho I'm, Two. I'm what? Finally, yeah, what? I'm glad that I finally had an, an excuse to watch Psycho Two with you guys. Thank you. Uh, yeah, man. It's, I'm glad too. Like again, this this is a movie that I probably would not have gotten around to watching if if you hadn't suggested it. So uh, it's at the bottom I'm, of my list, like always. And I'm so, yeah. It's weird. Like I feel like I really want to be a, a vocal, you know, proponent of it now because I feel like horror fans would really love it and it's super smart and super interesting and now i'm really interested to watch i think it's just three and four there's not a five right there's a bates motel it's yeah it doesn't have anthony it was made after anthony perkins yeah. died i think well, I but no there's like a movie it was like a made for tv movie which i think the fourth one is also like made for tv but has, yeah. hasn't bud bud court is in bates motel i think and I yeah like on this little oh, yeah. dvd multi-pack it's uh it's in full frame so oh, that must dude. have been a made for TV <laughs> thing. Okay. Well, yeah, okay. Um, uh, cool. Well, I always appreciate getting to come on and talk with y'all. And, and uh, you know, I'm sorry to miss Knoxville this year, but thanks for watching a scary movie with me and, and helping me to, to learn a little bit more about about uh, some horror that I should know. Yeah, that's, that's what we're here for. Uh, if you have not had a chance to go back and listen to the episodes that we've done in the series, you really should. Every episode that we've done um, with the uh, Countdown to Halloween horror movie Blind Spots has had a special guest. And oh, my God, they've all been so much fun. <laughs> and yeah, some of them, I listened listen to Matt's. So that was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, oh, yeah. should, uh, was... you should definitely check out Chris Dorch's one. Chris Dorch. Oh, God. What movie was him? <laughs> but for him, it was a Children of the Corn. Oh, we did, the, we did the a series okay. because, of course, he doesn't pick a movie. He picks a series. Oh, we did a bunch of different movies on that episode. Here's yeah. I'll share a quick Children of the Corn anecdote. Uh, when I was a little, little kid, like a little baby, I was born in California uh, before I this is before I moved to Texas, where I grew up. Um, but I was born in, in L.A. And my babysitter, uh, when I was a little bitty, like, like less than two years old baby here in L.A., was the girl that jumps out of the cars out of the seat in the back of the car at the end of Children of the Corn? Oh, oh. are you? Oh my God, that is amazing. Yeah, that was my my babysitter when I was a little kid. Wow. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to think that that's why you got into horror movies. Is like <laughs> just somehow you absorbed that horror energy. Does she try yeah. to scare you all the time? <laughs> <laughs> she jumps up from behind the couch like, <laughs> ah time for bed <laughs> oh that's so great she who walks behind the couch <laughs> yes oh man so good 
Oh, well, Graham, thank you so much for doing, for joining us on this podcast. I'm, I still I, I still like find it hard to believe that we get people to come on this podcast and and who actually enjoy Man, being on too. here, will, who are willing to come back multiple times. So uh, so thank you <laughs> for uh, for that validation and for just just hanging out with us. It's, it's, it's been just, a blast. It's torture every time, you know. It's like I'm opening <laughs> the puzzle box every time I log on. Oh man, it's just it's funny that you mentioned that out of my laptop. <laughs> Tear yeah. flesh apart. Uh, no, it's uh, it's great. I really appreciate it. I was getting to talk to y'all, and so it was a good time. And it makes me feel a little bit more connected, even though I haven't been to to Chattanooga in a year. I haven't gotten to come to to Knoxville yet, and uh, so it's it's a nice way to uh, get to stay connected with you guys and just get to talk about horror with cool people. Yeah, you are you. you are one of our all time favorite people, uh, and. Also, yeah, super funny that you mentioned opening the box and having the chains come out and rip your flesh because we've also been watching Hellraiser. I've been binging through those because we we had an episode um, lined up that we're having to push back because of scheduling issues. But um, but yeah, Hellraiser, that's a lot of fun. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I'm a big kind fan of Hellraiser franchise. Don't get me started. Um, I will say this. <laughs> yeah. uh, the best of the VOD era of Hellraiser is Deader. Uh, I stand by that. Uh, Which number is that? Number seven. I want to. S- so far, eight. I've only seen the first four, and I have thoughts. So five, <laughs> five is Inferno. So, yeah, five is Inferno. Is six Hell World? Yeah, no, no, no. Six is um, Hell Seeker. Okay, first he comes back. Seven is deader. Eight is hell. Okay. How did they not make one based in uh, Russia and call it Hellraiser Helsinki? Wait, no, Helsinki's in Finland. I was about to say, like, what are you talking? Helsinki's Finland, not Russia, right? Yes. Okay, I've not had sleep. Leave me alone. (laughs) How have they not done one in Finland called Hellraiser Helsinki? Oh man, that's so great! I love it. I love it. <laughs> come on, they, I mean, come on. They went to space before they went to Helsinki, right? Ridiculous. They went to space and also uh, like Renaissance France because I'm, of I'm, a big, I'm a big fan of four. I'm a big fan of one. Oh I gotta say, I like it better than three. Uh, I think that uh, uh, yeah, four is four is a, a special movie. I still only got through the first two at this point. Special and- is a word for it. I, I like the I like the first two pretty well. The second one I was I, I figured wouldn't be very good, but it's uh it's it's fun. Three's better than two. Oh, I disagree completely. <laughs> <laughs> no, <You with> there. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh man, see I see I feel like I feel like three's not gonna be good. Like I'm I'm disappointed to learn that Julia doesn't come back after the second one, or at least isn't in the third one. Like at least in three, you get to look forward to the CD demon. Oh, the there's demons a, are terrible. There's in a three. CD They're, demon. Yes, that's awesome. It is the, the best thing about the CD demon is like he ejects CDs and then throws them at people. Oh my god! But like that the sound amazing. of him throwing it is the sound of like a CD being ejected <laughs> from just a janky old. And you CD like this better player. than the second one? Damn, Nathan! Oh, <laughs> uh, hot takes, Nathan. I have reasons for. I can't wait to be mad at you about this here in a little bit here whenever we go into that. Also sleep deprivation? (laughs) Maybe that's it, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Uh, All right, well, you guys, mm -hmm. thank y'all so much. This is a blast as always. Um, And uh, if y'all watch Psycho 3, let me know. I think I might watch it in the next couple days. 
Okay, yeah, definitely. uh, So we've already been prepping some sequel episodes. Uh, We're going to have to have you back to talk about Psycho 3 then. Fun. I'm down. Let's do it. Awesome. All right. Graham, we absolutely love you. Always love having you on the podcast. Uh, um, Yeah, we should probably. Hey, no, uh, before you go, tell people where they can find you. That's a thing that I forgot. Oh, God, where can they find me? I don't (laughs) even know. Uh, (laughs) You're doing that whole thing where, like, you have people twirl in the air and throw drinks at them. I, I, so I yeah. So, so, okay. So, um, you can find me on Twitter at Graham Skipper. Um, uh, I'm, I'm also on Twitter at rated R. uh, uh Twitter is rated R bar. Um, yeah, what I'm doing right now is I have a, a, a horror pop-up bar, uh, that uh, takes place mostly in Los Angeles. We've traveled a little bit around and we're hoping to do more traveling. Um, but if you're ever going to be in the LA area, um, uh, you know, you can find us on Facebook at rated R speakeasy over at rated R speakeasy.com, uh, coming up on October 26th. We're doing a big Halloween party at the Santa Monica pier. Uh, which is going to be a blast. We have aerial bartenders serving drinks from overhead, roaming monsters. Um, Jonah Ray from MST three K is our, <laughs> our horror DJ, um, <laughs> uh, playing horror tunes all night. So anyway, it's a blast. It's really fun. And if you, uh, uh, you know, and, and we continue to do these events throughout the year. So even if you're missing horror uh, and it's and it's not Halloween time, uh, we still have a place for you to come and party. Um, so that's that's the deal. But yeah, everything is uh, I, I put everything on at Graham Skipper, um, I guess, on Instagram, which apparently is now a more popular thing. Although I'm an old man and I, I have a hard time adjusting to Instagram. Um, I am same. I am Skipstagram. Um, uh, which is still my all-time favorite instagram <laughs> handle it is so great um I, I don't know are you afraid of the dorch is pretty great too. that's pretty good, pretty good too, yeah. uh yeah s-k-i-p-s-t-a-g-r-a-h-a-m like my name's skipsgram uh came up with that uh sitting next to chase williamson and bria grant on the set of beyond the gates by the way oh nice they, one of my favorite movies they, well thanks yeah they, they helped me come up with uh with that tag so i gotta give credit to them um but uh yeah so anyway i'm i'm on those places and uh come find me and you can uh i don't know if you like psycho 2 tell me you like it if you hate psycho 2 uh i don't know tell me you hate it i don't care tell eric <laughs> that you hate it <clears throat> yeah i'd be interested to hear why people hate it though i'm hey i'm always i'm open to i'm open to all the hot takes no you're not I'm I'm open to I'm open to them that doesn't mean i will <laughs> why well, i'm well, hot for hot takes i'm excited <laughs> All about I, it. I cannot <laughs> wait till the uh, hot takes mashup. Unless that hot take is that you don't like Friday the Thirteenth, the final chapter, and then I'm just I'm I can't I can't <laughs> do it. But yeah, I mean, <sighs> no, no, I'm I'm on board with that one. <laughs> but there there are two Friday the Thirteenth movies I did not especially enjoy. Hmm. You like Jason on the boat though, right? Jason takes Manhattan, not. As not nearly as bad as what people said it was. I love that movie. I don't fucking care what anybody says. <laughs> that movie's great fun. I don't care that he's only in Manhattan for like five minutes. Doesn't matter. Yep. Yep. That's that's kind of how I feel about uh, uh, Hellraiser three. Is it's Hellraiser takes Manhattan. Sure. I mean, look. It's it's. I don't hate Hellraiser three. <laughs> it's just Absolutely not better than two. Not better than two. <laughs> 
2 is the dream warriors of, uh, exactly. of Hellraiser, which is pretty fun. Part of my problem is I've watched way too many movies, like, just all back to back to back that I hadn't seen before. So, like, I hadn't seen Dream Warriors before and then just saw it. So, watching Hellraiser 2, it's like, oh, it's Dream Warriors, but with less plot. And then having watched Hellraiser 3, it's like, oh, it's Hellraiser takes Manhattan with a CD demon. That's dumb. <laughs> Hellraiser and, and 4. Demon. <laughs> to be that fair, so you you love dumb things. I do love so. dumb things. <laughs> so that, which, which is why we take movies seriously, but not ourselves. Oh, well, all right. right. Nice Graham. Things up. <laughs> absolutely uh always a blast uh we apparently will hear from you soon when we do our psycho 3 episode i can't wait always a pleasure guys all right uh, we'll see you later. happy yeah, halloween happy yeah. halloween yes indeed that's why we do what we do it's the greatest time of year <laughs> all right bye all, all right. right uh eric where do you want people to find you um, you can find me on Twitter at the Chimerican and on Instagram at Chimerican Reviews and on Letterbox at Eric J A Y. And you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at the Gargoyle Podcast, on Twitter at Gargoyle Podcast, and on Letterboxd at the Gargoyle. And if you enjoyed this episode and want to catch up on all of our other uh, horror movie blind spot episodes, or you know you want to come back for the next episode that Graham's going to be on, uh, just do a search wherever you get your podcasts for the Gargoyle Podcast. That's G A R G Y L E because it is a gargoyle wearing an Argyle sweater because I like dumb things. <laughs> All right, that's what it for this episode of the Gargoyle Podcast. I'm Nathan, aka the Gargoyle, and I'm Eric, aka the Chimerican. And remember, kids, um, it's it's okay to have hot takes on movies. Just because they're bad doesn't mean that they have to be bad to you. Yeah, it's okay to be dumb and like dumb things. It's I'm not insulting them. It's okay to like dumb things. That doesn't yeah. make you dumb. That's true. If you like dumb things, it doesn't make you dumb. It exactly. just makes you wrong. No, sometimes no. Um, Okay, fine. It's okay to like dumb things, but if you like Scream 3 better than Scream 2, you are correct. You're wrong. No. But I'm not saying that Scream 3 is a better movie. I'm saying I enjoy it more. I was really miffed at the end of that. I was like legitimately pissed off when oh. I finished that movie. It made me angry. The, the ending is so I shared my thoughts <laughs> on it a little bit on Letterboxd and on Twitter. The like, ending is I did so two, dumb. I did two separate entries on Scream 3. Like I, like I did one where I was like, oh yeah, I haven't finished it yet, but so far it's pretty good and I wasn't planning on doing another one like for my countdown to Halloween, but then I had to talk about it again because by the end of it I was like, no Nope. <laughs> like, no. Oh, God. Here's the thing that I love about the end of Scream 3. It's like a it's, movie that lulls you into thinking it's going to be okay and then just no, totally the, the rips ending, the rug out from under you and makes you feel like Ghostface tripping all over the rest of the movie. The, oh, just, the ending is so dumb that you're thinking to yourself as they're getting there, this is dumb. The only thing that would make it worse is if they blah and then they do exactly blah. Yep. Yeah. And so, like... It's so dumb that I almost feel like it's self-aware dumb. No, I don't think it is. It also just kind of makes me, like, it, it, it. it's a movie that just kind of feels gross by the end of it. Like, the way that they take it, it it's, you, it's you a movie that's that... not what we're talking about right now. We're yeah, going to go through and do a, uh, we're going <sighs> to do a franchise series where we work through all of the films and each of the franchises. We'll include Scream, and we'll talk about why Scream 2 is very lackluster. It's just, it's... Scream 2 just doesn't do anything for me. 
Scrim 3 is just kind of exploitative in a way that really bugs me. And uh, it, it's a movie that like it would almost like it's it's a draft it's about a draft or two away from being a movie that could be the best movie in the series because of the fact that it actually tries to tackle some themes of Hollywood abuse. And it's a movie that's like it's it's self-aware to a point where it's like they they recognize these things are happening, but it does it in a way that makes it a plot point. Well. And reduces one character to just being like, oh, but you, you, I, it just bugs me. Especially because at the end of the movie, Harvey Weinstein's name pops up and it's like, we're, fuck that guy. We're not, obviously we're not doing an <sighs> Which I know that's not, right now. it's not reflective However, of the movie, but still. It, it's one of those things where Scream 3 would have been a much better movie had it not been a Scream movie. It's, this mm. is our ending, like post-episode episode, episode. it would have been a better movie had it not been a Scream movie where they were trying to tie too many things into Scream. Like, if it had just been a, here is a movie being made about this uh, event that had happened, and those events are now happening again because Mm. someone involved with the movie, like, obviously they're involved because they're reading the script. It would have been so much better. But I definitely like the concept a lot. Trying to tie it back in and give an explanation as to why... No, all of that is stupid. And a lot I, of it was rewritten I'm not on the fly it's a too. Good movie. So. Yeah, no. A lot of it was rewritten on the fly and that I'm kind of accounts it's for a the mess fun and movie. it's sure we've, we've had this conversation about fun does not always equal it but it's not to the it, it's not to the junk foodie side of like pieces yet. It's just like if it had been worse, it would have been better because then it would have been worse. I can see that, yeah. It, it should have been either worse or better. It, it's, it's, it falls right there in that middle, in that middle where it's like, oh, you were so close to being good, or so clo- so close two, to doing something interesting, and and two, it two yeah. hadn't gotten dumb enough yet, which is why it's so bad. Yeah, you need to watch four. Four is good. I, I do need to watch four. Four is really fun. This is a very long outro. Yeah, it is. All right, we need to let's 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 set our captives free. All right, bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Gargoyle Podcast.